0: Hello, everybody. It's Marcy from WavesOfCommunication.com. This year, the theme on our platform is positive action. The information I provide is designed to equip and empower parents and caregivers to take at least one conscious, focused, positive action today toward helping your child shift from nonverbal communication into unprompted spoken language. There's no time like now to make the necessary changes you need to see the success that you want for the late talker in your life. So let's get started. Hello, everybody. It's Marcy, wavesofcommunication.com
1: with another wave of the week, is going to provide you with information to help you learn what is causing the speech delay. Because it's necessary that you learn the root cause of what is contributing to the child's resistance to learning or trying to learn spoken language, something might be prohibiting them, in fact, What I'm going to get ready to talk to you about is why that's happening so that you can figure it out for yourself. Now, the information I am going to be talking about today is in my book. It is called If It Isn't Fun, It Isn't Fun, Teach Your Child to Talk Faster Than Speech Therapy. It's available on Amazon and uh, Kindle, Audible, all of that. And this is in the chapter that talks about what is really going on. Because in the process of teaching your child to talk faster than speech therapy, you have to figure out for yourself what is contributing to the blockages. And here's what's going on. Here's what I have figured out is the best way for parents and caregivers who are not professionals, who didn't go to school to learn to be speech therapists and all of that stuff, how anyone who knows the child who we're considering here, this child with speech delay, anyone who knows that child well can use this information in this video to to learn what's blocking the speech and move forward because here's what's happening. Your child is this child we're talking about. If it's not yours, if it's the child you care for, This child's speech is delayed because the gateways to speech or spoken language are blocked. And the gateways, um, the blockages fall into these three categories. They are either physical blockages that involve physical body issues. They're environmental blockages, which involve things that are happening around. And they are emotional mindset blockages in the physical body in the mind. And these mindset blockages happen both in the late talking child and in the caregivers and those who are trying to facilitate the spoken language. So we're going to talk about all those blockages, but the first thing we have to talk about is these gateways, right? So what I want you to do if you are, you know, following along to do this screening is I want you to take a look at these gateways as I explain them. I'm going to go through them all first and then we're going to go through each one individually and identify what physiological things, what environmental things, and what emotional mindset things will cause blockages for that particular gateway. And when you look at it like this, it's very easy to figure out your plan to move forward. Okay, this gateway is blocked because of this blockage situation. And so the last slide that I'm going to show you today is what to do. If you're identifying true physiological blockages, True environmental blockages and true emotional and mindset blockages, and what you can do because once you identify where the blockages are, then it is easy to determine what action to take. And honestly, it's the most effective action you possibly ever can take because it directly goes to address the root of the problem. And this is why I'm not a big fan of diagnosis because a diagnosis is a label for a condition, it is not a description of why. If you're watching this video and there's a late talking child in your life, you want to know why that child is late talking because obviously you want to know what to do. If you need to change, if you need to get your child to change, what do we need to change? Because if you keep doing what you're doing now, you're going to keep getting what you're getting now. So it's really important that we learn what is really going on. That's why I called that chapter in the book, What is Really Going On. This process I'm going to help you go through today is going to help you figure that out and then what to do. All right, let's get into these blockages right now. We're going to talk about them. There are six, or these are the gateways. I'm sorry, these are not the blockages. We talked about them the physiological, environmental, and emotional. These are the gateways. Six gateways. And listen, I have an asterisk here because these are all required for successful independent speech. Your child may have one or more of these blocked at a given time. And they may unblock at times and reblock. When we talk about waves of communication, they go up and down. But here they are, let's talk about what they are. Number one is the ability to hear and understand people talking. Obviously, we can't learn to talk unless we know what it sounds like and we know what it means. Then we learn how to use it. But if we can't hear it and understand it, the whole process is going to break down. Number two, active listening to real people talking to the child at least two to three hours a day. If you've watched my videos, you know that this is a necessary gateway. If Without this level of language modeling, no child is going to learn to be proficient at a language. Number three, Freedom to explore their curiosity and interests, because that's why we talk. We are exploring. We have things on our mind. If we have things on our mind and we're restricted from being able to do that, we're going to not be able to learn the language we need to talk about our curiosity and interests. Number four, interest in sharing messages and ideas with other people. This is a big blockages that happens with kids who get diagnosed with autism and um, happens with a lot of late talking kids this number four blockage happens in fact this is the one that stops kids that are perfectly healthy right number five successful independent communication of ideas with action or behavior now a lot of late talkers this gateway is not closed at all they are great at communicating their behaviors but sometimes it doesn't work or they're prohibited. I'm going to show you what blocks this. And number six, confidence in using speech for communication. And that word confidence is the big one. That this child can use speech. Not confidence that they can say words after you. Not confidence that they can you know, do in any kind of pressure or socially awkward or any kind of situation where they feel at all afraid going to completely shut down. So one of those things, one of those six gateways is currently, one or more, is currently blocked in your household or the household of this late talking child if you feel like you don't know what to do. If your therapy's working a little, if these things are kind of working sometimes, if you've got a lot of ups and downs in your process and your progress, then you'll have to, this video will be one you can come back to all the time, because you'll be able to look at what could be triggering these things. So now I'm going to give you the ideas of the things, because what happens in my program is parents don't even realize that these blockages, first of all, they don't understand the gateways, but then they don't understand how blockages can sneak in physiological, environmental, and mindset blockages can sneak in you even realizing, and you actually contribute to these blockages based on your mindset and fears and all kinds of stuff. So let's get into breaking it down for you. So you can actually use this information to do your own analysis. And we're going to go through this gateway by gateway. And starting with number one is right here, the ability to hear and understand people talking. So what you're looking for here is um, the things, in, what I have done is kind of categorized it here. You've got my little icons. I've got physiological blockages first. I've got environmental blockages second. And I've got emotional mindset blockages third. And I've listed them here in these little paragraphs. So for Physiological blockages that will block this gateway. Ear fluid is uh, 100% blocks it. Sinus inflammation, wax buildup, structural problems. And I'm not just talking about ear structural problems. I'm talking about structural problems that are like um, from birth. Chiropractic um, assistance is helping families because they have um, neck issues from birth and accidents and things like that that cause this ear fluid and, and structural problems that happen. So this is a physiological thing that blocks hearing. Infections, allergies, viruses, Cognitive issues. Okay. So if you are you know, not able to understand because there are cognitive issues, that is going to affect your ability to understand what people are saying. If there are seizures involved, frequent seizures involved, also auditory processing issues. You could have fabulous language models, but this is a physiological problem. All of these things are things that are going on inside the body of a late talking child. They could be. So these are all things that you need to rule out potentially, okay? Now, um, you see signs of many of those things, obviously seizures and things like that. But these are all things that contribute. There are millions of things that contribute to late talking. Here are the environmental things. So if you could have a perfectly healthy child, these Environmental things will contribute to uh, affecting or blocking a child's ability to hear and understand. And the first one is an unfamiliar caregiver language. So if you hire someone who speaks a completely different language that the child has never heard, okay, that could delay their speech. Um, Speech models that are too fast the child because if they have auditory processing issues or even a little bit, they could be too fast. And then speech impairment in the caregiver. So when I was at the University of Virginia, I'm going to just going to tell you this quick story. When I was at the University of Virginia, we had a very significant cleft palate clinic where they fixed. um, It was specialized. They had people from all over the world come to get these um, specialized surgeries to fix this thing. And it turned out that there was a child that they referred to you know i was a student there for us to evaluate and this child sounded exactly like she had a cleft palate however she was fine it was her mother that had the unrepaired cleft palate. And if you know what that sounds like, it's very airy because the air, the space between the mouth and the nose is open because there's a hole in there. And it was a fairly small one that she lived life with. Okay. Um, And she was coming for this specialized surgery, but her child had a significant, they lived kind of in the backwoods of West Virginia and they didn't have a lot of exposure to other people. A single parent home with her little child, her child, develop the speech delay just from hearing the parent, okay? So these kinds of things can happen just from not being able to hear or understand appropriately. All right, so let's get in. There's a couple more I wanted to talk about here. Um, oops, sorry, wrong slide. Um, yep, yeah, the last one. So the mindset things that happen here, all right? So when limited or poor speech models are coming at a child, a young child, they're not helpful or attractive stop trying to listen or they will, in fact, learn what is being said to them in the story like I just told you. So that's why that number one blockage is very, very important, all those things. Let's talk about the second gateway. Sorry, keep calling them the blockage, but we're talking about these gateways because what we want is all these gateways to be open. And when, just so you know, all these gateways are open, that's when spontaneous speech comes without you even trying. That's when your language facilitation is on fire because you're doing everything you can. Your efforts are not about pulling speech out of your child. Your efforts are about keeping these gateways open so natural language learning can occur. And you are providing the models needed for that to happen because you can't make someone, you can't program language, spoken language into a child. You have to provide the opportunities for them and the facilitation for them to learn from you. That's what this is all about. All right, let's get into number two, the number two gateway to keep spoken language open. So hi, Vinu. Thank you for joining me. Things are great. All right, let's see. Number two. Um, active listening to real people talking to the child at least two to three hours a day. Now, there are some physiological things that block this. The first one is sensory regulation problems. So if a child is not feeling well and regulated and you know balanced basically their energy is not balanced they're not going to be able to listen period end of story so physiologically we need to look at these things are there physiological things that are causing sensory regulation problems now ear pressure from fluid pain, any illness, gut illness, prematurity, any kind of feeling from any little illness, and it could be the tiniest thing like, you know, pressure from hay fever, anything like that is going to decrease a child's ability to do very good active listening to real people talking. Now, environmental, these are, you know, people are gonna be familiar, you'll see these. Tech exposure, right? Over-tech exposure, if you're watching tech too much and you're not getting that two to three, which we talked about that before, because it's just going to make you turn it off. If everybody around you speaking a language you don't understand, you won't want to listen. Um, Here's the other thing. Limited overall speech models. So if you are just caring for this late talk child and not talking to them about everything you are doing with them, or you are caring for them while they are watching tech. That's going to um, yeah, seeing, you know, people yelling, um, people yelling at the child, people yelling around the child, a physiological trauma, any kind of traumatic experiences and any kind of pressure to talk or perform is going to block a child from active listening, even if you've got the best things ever these things will block the process. And then the mindset blockages that block this gateway are feelings of fear. Um, basically, that's what happens. They get afraid. They don't have fighting to deal with these feelings of irregulation, right? And their reactions, they're going to be just running away from or fighting you against it, okay? And their motivation for learning breaks down because they're too busy trying to get regulated. And so that's why this act of listening to real people talking, it can get blocked by many, many things, okay? And this is probably the most common blockage for every triggered habits that cause not listening. Because it doesn't always mean that your child is always sick. They might have had a period of time that they were sick you developed habits that we're going to talk about, packages, right? Because sometimes these early events like prematurity, or if your child's born with some kind of an illness, your focus goes all about that physiological illness and caregiving instead of nurturing and facilitating, empowering the child to develop their own speech on their own. And parents don't know what to do, this blockage, this um, gateway number two gets even more blocked because you start throwing problem solving that you're guessing about at it, and it can break things down further. And so that's what we're going to talk about next. And the next one we're going to go to is number three, the number three gateway. Oh, wait a minute. I'm way ahead of myself here. Explore their curiosity and interests. Okay, so the things that will prohibit a child's freedom to get around and explore physiologically are late walking. That's why I've done a video; it's a very popular video on my channel about how late walking often leads to late talking. Fine, any fine and gross motor delays, though, will um, will cause this physiological blockage to this because you can't get around. You're too busy trying to get over these motor delays to work. True apraxia, and I call this true apraxia because this is for kids that have fine and gross motor delays, not kids that were labeled by their therapist, their speech therapist as apraxia after three or four years of speech therapist didn't work. Um, these are kids who have true eating issues, that have true chewing issues, that um, cannot point with one finger, things like that. True apraxia will hold it up. Now, coordination issues and vision problems also fall into this physiological category because children who have vision problems cannot curiosity, cannot explore very well they're very limited in their interests because they um cannot see even things coming at them depending on their kind of vision problem so these will cause again issues that will stop trigger blockages to this gateway are intentionally restricted for free- freedom of movement so if your therapist is trying to put your child in one place and come there um especially during learning that's going to block their interest in learning to talk. I'm telling you, blocking freedom of movement is blocking your child's spoken language. There are neurological reasons for this, and, um, but it is inflicted by people. So, so if that's going on in your family, that's something to pay attention to. Limited outdoor exposure. Obviously, we've all had that in the past uh, year for sure. But it is an environmental thing that contributes to this particular gateway blockage. And then free time offered in exchange for work. That's also a major environmental blockage. When a child is not allowed to have freedom to just go and learn and figure it out and dig around and explore on their own with just boundaries but not restrictions. Um that's going to prohibit them. Um and then what's going to happen in this mindset. So it basically triggers a feeling of limitation in the child. And when Um, We feel limited. As humans, it causes resistance. And these smart lay talkers, they will waste therapy time and school time and your time just manipulating you to avoid the hard work of talking. They don't like it. They don't like talking. So they will work really hard. They'll work really hard to avoid the whole process if it isn't fun it isn't fun that's what this blockage says right if your child loves the intervention and they're attracted to you and you're talking in a way they can understand boom they're there but if one of those things that we've talked about so far gets a wrench thrown in the works it's gonna shut down the whole process, okay? And that's what I'm talking about here. You could have five of these gateways open, but one of them blocked and your whole process shuts down. And it depends on the big, how big these behaviors are because there's all levels of all these things I'm talking about. There's levels of restriction, there's levels of tech use, there's levels of of all of that going on. That's why this is a caregiver and parent info session, right? So you can look at your child's sunrise to sundown, what's going on in their life. Are these gateways open? Are you making sure that these gateways are open? All right, let's move on because we've got more gateways to talk about. This is number four. And the interest in sharing messages and ideas with others must be present in the child. Intrinsic interested. I want you to see this. I want you to know what I'm doing. I want you to think what I'm thinking, right? Every human does this. Every child does this. However, there are things that block it number one, physiological things. Now, these physiological things, we're talking about severe. The only physiological thing that's going to block a human's interest in sharing what's on their mind, even if the child's quadriplegic, right? Excuse me. They will be interested in sharing what's on their mind. But a severe cognitive delay and frequent seizures multiple times per week right? I've got parents in my program who have this situation. And there are days that their language facilitation works brilliantly. And there are days that their kids cannot participate. And that's because of these things, right? And any new illnesses that compromise comfort, I told you about that. If, you, if they're not feeling good, it isn't fun. And what I do is I tell parents, I teach parents how to use these things that are, um, you know, sort of regular issues in your life as tools to help you facilitate communication about these things that go on. This is for a child who's chronically, chronically ill, right? That would be the only physiological thing that's going to stop their interest is a chronic, chronic illness that causes that severe pain, okay? Um, and, but, and there are environmental blockages that will quash a child's interest in sharing ideas and interests with others. And that is tech use for caregiver jobs. So if you are babysitting with the tech, if you are giving your kid tech to get them to eat, go potty, do anything, if you're using it as an exchange or a bribe or any of that, that is going to contribute to your child's interest in sharing messages. You're you're actually fueling tech addiction in that with that job. Big family changes. If you have a new baby, if you move, um, anything like that will Potentially cause your attention to be elsewhere and take your attention away from your child and cause them to stop, take their attention away from you, right? If they don't think that you're a receptive listener, they're not going to come to you. Environment trauma, that we talked about that before, any kind of trauma that goes on that they observe or that happens to them directly. Um, limited exposure to peers, This is going to cause a child's decrease in interest in sharing their ideas because they don't observe people sharing their ideas. When kids are around other kids, they see other kids saying, look at me, watch me, see what I'm doing. But a child who's on their own at home with a quiet parent who's not talking to them, they will not learn that this is something that we want kids to do, share their ideas and messages. They don't know how. They never learn how unless they're around other kids. That's why a lot of doctors will say, go put your kid in school. And they'll learn how to talk from watching their peers because they do. They do. And then here's the other one. Quiet caregivers, like I said, focused on their outcomes. If you care more about the the cleanliness of your child and the food that gets in their stomach and the place that they are on time and you don't give them conversation and talk about what you're doing to make that happen, that outcome happen, your child's not going to learn language from you. They're just going to be quiet and wait for you to depend on you, right? We're going to get into that next one. Um, And here's the mindset. So this is what happens. The child just becomes too distracted by their own needs or suffering, right? Because they have these significant medical issues or they're addicted to tech or they're feeling lonely because there's a new baby or there's something inside them, their mindset that's distracting them away my needs are not being met. Okay. And I'm going to work to meet my own needs. And they don't care how that happens. They stop coming to you to get it from you because you are not a source. They learn to become independent. These kids who who will only come to you when they cannot get the thing on their own. This is a, a prime situation when this gateway is blocked, right? How can you teach your child if they're not coming to you to learn from you? right? And they're not coming to you because they're too distracted by their own needs. And that's what happens. This is a major blockage, right? All of these, every single one. That's why each one of these, this is no little thing. When the speech therapist goes and does evaluations about how many words your kids sing or what behaviors they see or whatever, that's not going to help you move forward. But understanding which of these blockages, situations are going on in your family, in your life with this particular late talker, that is what's going to help you move forward, right? Understanding where everything is. Okay. Let's get into, we've got two more gateways to talk about things that could be blocking. So if you found so far, that any of these gateways are blocking, put it in the comments. Comment on this video. By the way, I know lots of you watch me week after week after week. Just dropping a comment to say hi to me helps these videos, helps my channel. I don't charge you anything for this information. This is your way to give back to me. Please, please, please like this video and share it out with your friends. This one is gonna be a really important one. So sorry about the little PSA. I'm just trying to, you know, do something back for myself here. All right, let's get into the last two strategies because I don't wanna let you down and let you know what they are. Here's number five. So number five, um, gateway to spoken language is successful communication with action or behavior, right? So again, it's going to be only the most severely affected kids that have a physical reason that this wouldn't happen, because kids communicate with facial expressions, with eye blinks, with pooping at a certain time of day, there's lots of things, nonverbal things kids can use to communicate with their actions and behavior. But there are a few physiological things that will prohibit that. And number one is severe cognitive delay. I mean, severe. Number two, frequent seizures. Again, we're talking about these kids that their brains are being attacked internally, okay? And then this, again, any new illness that compromises comfort, your child could have a cold, your child could have a stomach ache, your child could have any kind of physical thing going on wrong, and their communication is going to change, okay? And then it might not be successful with you. Because you don't understand what this new behavior is. So if you are seeing new behavior, it could be a result of a new illness, right? So that's always what you want to see. And a physiological problem is going to trigger that. Also, an environmental problem, okay? So caregivers guessing. This is literally, it could be a completely healthy child, right? Because not very many families fall into that first category but a lot of families fall into this second category, this environmental category. And this is where caregivers are guessing the needs and anticipating what will get the outcome they want. What's going to get my kid to do this? What's going to get my kid to say this? What's going to make my kid stop crying? What's going to make my kid feel happy? What's going to make my kid blah, 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 right? That's what I'm talking about here. When you are guessing in your head coming up with a solution in your head and anticipating it instead of focusing on the child's communication. I don't like it. It tastes terrible. I want more of that. I, I miss you. I'm lonely. Like all those feelings and all of that stuff. Because parents are talking about giving kids tech when they're not addressing the fact that they're lonely because they got a new baby brother who's, you know, needs. That's why you need to see if you are doing this. Caregiver's this is a behavior that will block this gateway. And then environment or the emotional mindset, right? It's both. The lay talker learns. Others prefer to talk and think for them. And then they stop trying to learn, to use spoken language for themselves. They just quit. They don't. These are the kids that don't have to talk because other people, older siblings, caregivers, anybody is literally guessing what they want. So if you are guessing, and sometimes parents say, well, I don't have a choice because he can't communicate. The other one was true too. Your lay talker is using nonverbal communication. They are, they all are, right? Very rarely, very rare cases do they do it. And when they don't, you know, when they're not communicating that, they're communicating their needs because they're in pain or discomfort. And that's all they can communicate is I'm hurting, right? And that's it. They are communicating. They're just communicating one message their message. And they're not receptive to learning anything from anybody else because they're so focused on their message. And if no one else is getting in that kiddo's head to learn what's going on, their moms and dads can. The ones who care for them the most that can. The best nannies, the best caregivers. I know I could do it with the clients that I knew after a certain time. Because once you get to know a child, they teach you. They teach you their nonverbal language and you get to know, oh, when he does this, he means this, right? All that nonverbal language, <clears throat> excuse me, all that non-verbal, lang- nonverbal communication, nonverbal language is what helps you learn to teach your child. All right, let's get into the last blockage that we've got or the last gateway that we've got to talk about and what blocks it. And that is number six, the confidence in using speech for communication. Because what happens is a lot of kids get so good at that other gateway and parents get so good at responding to the nonverbal communication that kids don't get excited about trying talking. Okay, so sorry, I had to mute myself and cough there for a second. All right, so the physiological blockages that causes this to happen is that there just isn't enough practice. So your brain can't develop if you don't take your initiative and practice to do a new skill. Talking is a neurological skill development job. And this won't happen without conscious, focused, practice to be a proficient speaker and the only physiological blockage that is causing confidence in speech is when a child doesn't feel like they know it right they don't know it so the only physiological thing that's wrong is that they haven't heard it learned it practiced it the environmental thing and i know that seems like an environmental thing but it is actually causing your child's brain to be underdeveloped okay so Yeah. Neurological development is delayed and there is something wrong with your child's brain because it's not developed yet. That's what I'm saying. They can't develop confidence if their brain isn't developed. Right. If you don't know the skill, you don't have the skill, you're not going to be confident in using it. And then the other thing that happens, the environmental things that block this is caregivers teaching and rewarding communication with an alternative communication method such as pictures or signs. You're actually teaching your child to teach you to use something besides speech to communicate to you. And I do not agree with using these devices if your outcome, intended outcome is spoken language. If your child shows capability of being able to talk, okay, it's not much that it takes. Just making noises teach your child to talk their own. They are tools that caregivers use to get kids through the day and that's it. Okay. So what happens is the child doesn't have enough practice to actually practice talking and not practice signs or pictures or pecs or anything like that. Then they, everybody gives up. The child gives up and the caregivers give up. They completely give up on speech because it remains hard. For the child so of course they're not going to get better at talking if you're teaching something besides speech okay and so speech remains hard and then they don't want to practice and the older a child gets the less they want to practice because they are reminded by everyone else speech is too hard for you you've got to use this device speech is too hard for you you've got to use signs right And if a child is reminded that speech is too hard for them, they will not try. They do not think it's fun. Okay? And that's what you have to understand about this blockage. And for especially talkers, those kids who know a ton of language, they understand everything you're saying. They follow directions per purple bag off of the shelf behind the bed. Right? But they're not using spoken language, except for maybe by that stage, they might be at needs based they can use cookie, or a single word, or they've abandoned all that needs based stuff. And they're just independently getting things themselves, because they're big enough to be able to do that. That's what happens over and over and over. These gateways get attacked, attacked, by interventions, by emotional triggers, by physiological things, by lots of things. That's why there are so many late talking children. One in eight children is late talking. And I would posit that after COVID higher because just of tech exposure and parents not being able to get outside alone, okay? And if you're finding yourself stuck, Hopefully through this process, you have started to identify some physiological things, some environmental things, and some emotional things that you need to investigate more, that you need to dig in and investigate more. So that's the next thing, what are we gonna do, right? Once you find these things out, what do you do? And this is what I'm gonna talk to you about now. By category, how can parents release these blockages to open up the gateways? Because this is what we need. All blockages with them with the physiological blockages, you can you need to work with educated and unbiased professionals, people who did go to school to learn about the body, people who did go to you know study about these physiological things, eye doctors, chiropractors, holistic interventionists, pediatricians, allergists, ear, nose and throat specialists, whoever. You need to address the specific labels and diagnoses who don't favor those things, but are good at holistic, deep, deep evaluation and conscious interventions that treat those things. So that's what we need from physiological. You can't guess if your child is looking physiological, go get them checked out. Check those ears first with every child. Check their vision makes a difference. If you know what's going on, but you have to work with unbiased professionals who don't want to talk about diagnoses. You want to talk about root causes with every professional you work with. That's most important. With environmental, all you need to do, because there are lots of things that you're doing that are potentially blocking the process. And instead of stopping things, plan, plan ahead, just plan your day to replace stuff that you're doing with two to three hours of language facilitation during capital F-U-N functional activities. Not It doesn't require you sitting at the table. It doesn't require that stuff. You do things during your day. And here's the mindset. You have to take responsibility to self-check your own mindset. Your own. And respond to your child's communication behaviors with love and understanding. Because your child is coming to you to communicate. To tell because they're nonverbal they're using their own language. If you want them to use your language, whatever language you use, even if you use multiple languages in your home. I talked here about how a different language can delay a child's talking, but that is different than being in a bilingual household where you teach a child to use two language. A sudden situation where you're picked up and plunked in a situation where your only exposure to language is one you don't understand, it will delay your talking. And that person who is, you know, and it's not saying that you never have to do that situation, but you have to work with that situation to understand that your child needs to understand that person and that person caregiver needs to understand your child. And somebody's got to give and it's not going to be your child, right? Who's going to learn this other foreign language? They already don't know their home language. Okay, so you've got to find caregivers that are going to help you. In the process, if you've got a late talking child picking a caregiver who speaks a completely different language than your household, it, you know, think about it. It, Do you, what do you, what can you do now to maybe change some of these environmental blockages? Because those are all the things you can change today. While you work with professionals to evaluate your child's health, physical health, that mindset work it comes from these environmental blockages. Now, if you've got a new baby or you just moved or you just got a new job and there's a lot of volatile energy going on because there are a lot of changes in your family, then you have to give yourself grace and your child grace to ride through these changes and you have to help them process that whole situation. It's not gonna happen just naturally. And because your child is very little, if they're under two, for example, and you're doing all these crazy, I don't wanna say crazy, because we all do what we have to do. We do things that that are required in our household, pick up and move house. If you've got a scary family situation or who knows, I mean, what's going on right now with COVID, people are locked in, they don't wanna go out, people are afraid, there's lots of energy going around the world right now, that people are scared, okay? Now is the time to dig in, go back home, get in your house, And relax. Spend this time analyzing and working with your household situation. Look at what you can change. And again, this is what I do for families. Okay, How I help families as a speech and language pathologist is I look at their situation. They share with me what happens in their life and I show them how to open up these gateways. Basically, I look at seeing what's blocked. And then I show them, these are the behaviors that have to change if you want to open up this gateway. And every single time, right? Well, there's very few exceptions. Parents who are really stubborn and stuck on old things, or if you're getting a lot of pressure from your therapists and things like that, sometimes that happens too. But every smart parent that I have worked with, who has done this kind of analysis and looked very carefully at their child and themselves and the environment and the mindset, instead of just relying on a diagnosis and the go by the book way, right? This is how you understand how your child, why your child is late talking because of what's going on in your child's world. And that is unique to any other child on the planet even other kids in your family, right? Right? So that's what's really important about this whole process is you have to do it. You have to do it. Let's see. De Palma has a comment. She says, my daughter is six years old. Um, she Nowadays, she cannot identify colors, fruits, vegetables, animals. We use colors, fruits, and vegetables on a regular basis. How can someone forget these basic things? So she hasn't forgotten it. Hi, Ethio, say hello. Not forgotten it, not forgotten it. But what is probably happening is... The resistance of, you know, the gateway, because, um, you know, again, where there is ever pressure, I'm not sure which one it is, where, where I talked about the gateway of being able to freely express your own ideas, right? It, um, it gets blocked when there's too much testing going on, teaching, testing, teaching, testing, teaching, testing. Um, If you know very well that your child can identify colors, fruits, vegetables, and animals, and all of those things, and you're using them on a daily basis, then you must still be teaching um, or, you know, some kind of, of testing is what I'm saying. So, you know, when you get something and you say, I'm using a pen and your expectation is that every time you say a word that your child knows, they are supposed to imitate it. And if they don't imitate it, when you say it, I'm using a pen, it's a pen, it's a pen, pen, pen. And, and it's, I'm drawing with my Pen and it's a blue pen here. It I just it's not because I have a pen. It's a blue and white pen and blah 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 blah. You can talk for an hour about this pen. But if your child's not listening to you, if they're not interested in what that, that subject matter is, or in this case, if they already know it. Like, okay, I know it's a pen. How many times are you gonna review the details of this pen when I already know all of my colors, fruits, vegetables, and animals? and you keep reviewing the same thing. What is it? What is it? What is it? It's boring. So my suggestion for you diploma is that you need to take your child to the next level. Look on my channel for a video about conversational speech or to help kids move past the parenting stage or to move on to storytelling, kinds of spoken language intervention. This business of what asking questions, first of all, think about how many questions you're asking your child. So the best way, actually, is to try the swapping, the prompting challenge. That's my number one recommendation. Again, if you see a change in your child's speech, they were talking, they're not talking anymore. They used to say these words, they're not doing it anymore. Or they used to say one thing and now they're only singing right? Or they used to only sing and now they're doing this. Or they used to not be real quiet and now they're hitting you and grabbing you and being a lot more physical right now. These changes that you see in your child's general communication are your information. Your information that you can use to facilitate the spoken language they're trying to use because all behavior is communication. All behavior. So if your child's climbing on the cabinets, if your child's trying to get out the door, if your child's hitting you, if your child's dumping out liquids, if your child's, you know, doing what would be stim behavior, all stim behavior is also communication behavior. So, yeah, I mean, these kids, many kids that I described with those physiological illnesses, they get autism diagnosis. Kids with the environmental issues alone get autism diagnosis. Autism diagnosis doesn't help you doesn't help you at all. ABA therapy to solve these problems will not help you at all. That's why it's so important for you as the parent or caregiver of a child who is late talking, do this kind of analysis, that you look at these gateways, because without them, you won't get spoken language. You'll only get imitated behavior training. You will get the exchange of a picture. You'll get the label, you'll get the whatever, and you'll only get it until it breaks down, which is what happened to De Palma. Her child's six years old. For so many years, there was a lot of training going on. Behavior training, point to the thing, match the thing, touch the thing, where is the thing? All that behavior training. And when your child's at work, therapy work, They're expected to get some kind of paycheck, right? Do they get a cookie? Do they get a treat? Do they get a break? Do they get a whatever, right? These things will teach your child to do. So if diploma, she says she stopped testing, and if you stop testing, then you're not going to see an improvement either. I highly recommend the swapping the prompting challenge, because what happens in that challenge is, first of all, you learn how to stop prompting, but you also learn what to do instead, based on the kind of prompting you're using. So that testing comes in many different forms, fill in the blanks, um, you know, lots of things I talk about in that particular video, swapping the prompting challenge. Anybody who finds themselves asking questions or you see a change, my kiddo used to and they're not, that swapping the prompting challenge, it will help you identify these environmental blockages. And then of course, listen, if you want me to do it, I can call you out on all of them. I can find this is what I'm very good at. That's why I call myself an intuitive speech language pathologist, because I can look at a family when I get information, right? When I get information about a family situation and I dig through and analyze what's going on, I I look at these gateways. And if these gateways are blocked, I find out why. And then I guide the parents to go. Some parents do have to go get physiological intervention. I've got moms that have had chronic ear infections and they've used ENT. I've got things like all that kind of stuff. So, as says, when the therapist asks her, she cannot answer correctly. Cannot or will not. Cannot or will not. Because again, I talked about that in this video. If a child is feeling pressure, to perform, they will waste the therapy time and manipulate situation because they're hearing over and over and over, this is hard, or they're feeling internally, this is boring, right? So I suggest that you and your therapist work with these rest of these um, gateways and see, because if your therapist is testing, if you stop testing, but your therapist is testing, how much time is that going on? And how is your child responding? Does your child enjoy those therapy sessions when they're made to sit in the chair and do these things? And how do they respond when they're asking questions? If they're not answering the question, what are they doing? Are they avoiding, are they running away? Are they showing signs that their mindset is not bought in to this therapy because unless your child buys in, you know, unless your kiddo likes school and likes going and likes the teacher and likes the information.
0: Thanks everybody for tuning in today. I hope this content has inspired you to create your own positive language facilitation action plan for this week. If you enjoyed this broadcast, you're in luck. There are tons of resources across our waves of communication platform all designed to help you teach your child to talk. My book, If It Isn't Fun, It Isn't Fun, available on Amazon, and my coaching programs, including a free 90-minute introductory class. Learn about everything we do for language facilitators on our website, wavesofcommunication.com.